we will continue tonight pondering this grace of intercession. In order to understand intercession, we need to know that there is only one intercessor and he is Jesus Christ. This is very important because it illustrates the nature of our intercession, which is participation in Christ. We can do nothing, much less in regards to intercession, if we're not united with Christ. This is a great gift that is integrated in the reality that we are the body of Christ. And so you may have heard Protestants objecting to the intercession of Mary, to the intercession of the saints, because they say, and it is true, wait a minute, there is only one intercessor between man and God, and it's Jesus, period. What they fail to understand is redemption. Redemption, they think, is a grace by which all sins are erased by the blood of Jesus, and we are covered by his blood, and we remain essentially the same, but now we are redeemed because of what Jesus did. But it doesn't really change us inside. We're still the same, and that's not true. Redemption, the work of God, the work of Jesus giving his life, pours out the Holy Spirit, which we receive. In the Holy Spirit, if we yield to the Holy Spirit, we are more and more transformed so that we can say with St. Paul, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Now, this is a lifetime process. It begins in baptism, but sacraments are only effective to the degree that the person yields to the grace of that sacrament. And by the way, that's true also for the Eucharist, and that's also true even for marriage. Your marriage may be valid, sacramental, but if you don't yield to the grace of the sacrament, the power of communion and participation in, in Christ is not fully completed. So we need to participate. And so in this, in these days, I have been 
working very hard in translating the diary of Lourdes, and I have found some gems, some treasures. One of them is this. The multitudes have not come to know and enter my mercy. This is true because they haven't come to encounter me on the cross. So we can be intensely doing intercession and devotions and prayers and, and receiving all kinds of um, things in social media about the faith. But the question is, am I truly surrendering my life? And so the greatest work of the simple path to union with God. And that's what Jesus told uh, Lourdes, this greatest work of the simple path is leading souls into the deep of their own hearts to encounter me. So it's a journey into our own hearts to encounter Christ within us. A soul's obstacles to me lie within the heart. And therefore, we are not going to become intercessors by multiplying prayers or things to do, but by entering this journey to discover Christ calling us to surrender. So to become an intercessor means to become Christ, offering his life to the Father. There's only one intercessor, but we participate because we are the body of Christ. And to intercede before the Father means to enter into Christ, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit, so that the Spirit, like St. Paul says, helps us to pray, and not only words, but the prayer that is our life, as we deny the old man that wants to keep control with it own mentality, with our own ways, with our own attitudes, that process of discovering all the trash, all the wounds that are infected. This is the work of redemption. You see, it's not what Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood. Thank you, Jesus. You are really wonderful. Now I'm covered by the blood and that's it. It's a powerful work of real transformation into Christ, into holiness. It's amazing what redemption is. And as we are redeemed and we grow in holiness, we become better and better intercessors. So intercession is a characteristic of the love of Christ. When you love, you give yourself. That's what love is all about. 
you pour yourself out onto the beloved. So we don't just do intercession, we are intercessors. It's what we are. It's our very life giving our very being to the Father in Christ. And again, I say it's a work in process because there's a still a lot of, of, of ourselves that it's in control. And to that degree, we are then poor intercessors. Intercession is the result of a consuming fire that Christ came to set ablaze on the world. Oh, how much I wish that it was already ablaze, this fire. And this fire is gonna take the cross to be able to be released because it is the consummation of love of Christ as a human who is God, but through a human heart, he's pouring himself out completely on the cross. And this consuming love, this consuming fire now goes forth to all who want to gaze upon his crucified love and desire to plunge into the fire and allow this fire to burn us in a process of self-denial, of surrender, of acknowledging our misery, detaching ourselves from our self-will our desires we intercede in the spirit we intercede for what jesus wants not for what we want one of the gems that i found and maria you have it there now in, in the translated version in october 12 2016 we were in colombia giving the yearly retreat. And uh, as we were celebrating the Mass of the Covenant, lo and behold, at the moment of the Eucharist, the tabernacle could not be opened as much as we all tried. And so this is what happened. This is what Lourdes received as a word from the Lord. Now, there were 33 persons to receive communion, including myself. There's only one host, the, the one for the consecration. We were planning to give communion to everybody from the host in the tabernacle. So, here we are, one host, 33 people. How do we do this? We had to break the host in 33 tiny, tiny pieces. And therefore, we could not hand them out because they were too small. So everyone came like a little bird and put their head up, opened their mouth, and I would take a crumb and drop it on the open mouth. You remember, you guys, from Colombia? You must remember. That was amazing. And so at the end of the experience, after everybody had received communion, 
we tried again with the key and the tabernacle opened with no problem. So this is what Lourdes received and see how it connects with intercession. It was a sign from heaven of what is to come. You will look for me in the tabernacles of the world, but they will be shut. I no longer will be there. One host fed 33 souls. 33 represents me, my life on earth. At the age of 33, the end of my earthly life, I shed my blood for you. I am the sacrifice of love, the sacrifice of God's new covenant with his people. The triumph of my Eucharistic life is at hand. You are my participants in this triumph. One host, one body, no longer two, but one in my sacrifice of love. Prepare your hearts and minds to shed your blood as one sacrifice for the renewal of the world. Let's pause a minute. You got that? To be intercessors, we are ready every moment to give our lives whichever way God may want. Sometimes it just means to bite my tongue and not say something. Other times maybe to speak when I just don't want to speak. Sometimes it's just to allow the spirit to show me that I have jealousy or anger, whatever. But it, the Lord seems to be preparing us to great sufferings, great sacrifices as intercessors. And he's preparing us and he's calling us to be one body. My dear family, becoming love crucified is not an association to kind of feel good about God and, and have friends. The Lord is calling us to a profound unity that consumes us in this journey that becomes our life. So I go on, prepare your hearts and minds to shed your blood as one sacrifice for the renewal of the world. Seven chalices represent my souls who have allowed me to empty them and purify them so that they now become God's pure instruments to purify the world. The doors of my mercy are closing. The fury of Satan will be let loose for a short time. But my living hosts will pierce this darkness and usher 
in the reign of the Immaculate Heart of my mother with a new Pentecost. Prepare by living as one body with me and you will be in perfect peace during the time of great darkness. This was October 2016, a little less than four years ago. Part of this has already happened. The Lord is calling today our attention because this week, this passage from her diary came up twice, twice in very surprising ways. When that happens, I know that the Lord is saying, look at it. Being consumed with love, with the fire of the Holy Spirit, does not make us gloomy. I don't see Conchita gloomy. I don't see Lourdes gloomy either. St. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And yet, look at the life of St. Paul. Wow. What a warrior. What an intensity. What a fire in his heart. What an intercessor. You see it? Consumed with love, with the desire to give all for Christ, to suffer anything for Christ with great joy. A great obstacle for interceding, which is to be one with Christ, the great obstacle is false expectations. This morning, we had as a first reading, Jeremiah chapter two. And it says, God says, they, forsaken, they have forsaken me, the source of living waters. They have dug themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that hold no water. Isn't this the condition of the world today? Of many in the faith today? Jeremiah is speaking to a Jewish people that were going around trying to make alliances with any power they could find that would help them and protect them against the Assyrians and against the Babylonians who were a major threat. And Jeremiah is telling them, don't look for worldly alliances. They are like broken cisterns. Unite yourself with God. He is the only answer, the only way. The reason we are in the mess that we're in to begin with is because we have drifted away from God. We still believe in Jesus. We still say we love him, but there's no fire 
there's no consuming fire. There is no oblation of life or very little. So the gospel today was Matthew 13, 10. The disciples approached Jesus and said, why do you speak to the crowds in parables? He said to them in reply, because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom have the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, does that mean that God has predestined some people not granting them the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven to get lost and has predestined other people to be blessed and to grow rich? Not at all. What is happening here? Jesus is pointing to the fact that many people get excited about what is going on with his miracles, but they have their own expectations. As long as we hold on to our expectations of what God is supposed to do, and they expected God to get rid of the Romans, establish the kingdom as they expected, they had beautiful expectations. We have gone through this before, and we do too. That's our problem. So we need to pray, Lord, set me free from my own expectations so that my intercession may be yours and therefore powerful, pure. Your will be done. Now, of course, we pray for what we perceive to be a good. You know, somebody's sick, we pray for their healing. However, in that prayer, we desire that God's will be done because that's going to be the greatest good. And so with what is going on today, let's intercede and pray that we may fully carry on the mission that God has given to us. That should be our focus, our priority, to enter into the heart of Jesus, allow him to enter into ours so that we suffer all with him. We live it all with him. And then we will have no problem understanding what he wants so they have no knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven it has not been granted to them because they are enclosed into their self will but to you it has been granted and those who have will have more and will grow rich he's talking about participation in the life in his own life, the life of Christ. The more we give ourselves, the more we surrender, we're going to grow richer and richer in Christ. But 
the disciples also had a false expectation problem. Jesus in Matthew 20, 22, that's like seven chapters later, has to listen to James and John, no less, asking for special places in the kingdom. And he tells them, can you drink the chalice I am going to drink? You see where Jesus leads them? They come with their expectations, and Jesus points to his expectations. But if we love, if we really love, that's what we want. Lord, we want to be with you in your sufferings, in your trials. Then he goes on to tell his disciples, his apostles, what that chalice is all about. You go in Matthew 20, verses 26 and following, Jesus says, after having said how the world behaves, it shall not be so among you. You're not supposed to be thinking with the expectations of the world. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be the first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Giving life as a ransom for many is intercession. That's what it is. And Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciples? You want to follow me? This is what you're supposed to do. Forget about being great according to the world. Forget about being first. But look for the opposite. And just know that I came to give my life to rescue many, and you're called to do the same. That's what he's telling them. This is your mission. This, that's my mission. That's your mission. Lord, whatever time I got left in this life, what I want is to give it to the Father as one with you. And it sounds pretty, you know, I can say, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. But how do I do it? Well, that's the path. That's what we do in accompaniment. That's the hard work to see what is on the way. What are the obstacles for me not to do this? Jesus is inviting all his followers to drink from his chalice, his blood. Yet Jesus, who is love, longs for his bride to share completely in his life of pure love. In other words, love wants a response from his bride to also give herself to him. Is that fair enough? His love waits for his bride to respond and also to love 
as one with him by laying down her life as a ransom for the salvation of many. So my dear family, love crucified is not meant to be an elite community for only a few. How much God desires for our community to be overflowing with members who desire to love as one with the victim of love. Yet, few continue to respond. But the mercy of God is so great that he uses the few, like in Genesis 18.32, remember with Abraham interceding for the city of Sodom? He said, at least 10, Lord, and God was willing for 10 to save the city. Unfortunately, there were not even 10. Further on, she, uh, we see um, the Lord inspiring Lourdes to write in her diary, I feel cold to greater stillness of heart recollection in order to live in the cloister of my heart, the temple of my bridegroom. So our hearts is the temple of the bridegroom. That's where we find him. Suffering with him his sorrows for a humanity that has gone astray. Think about the love of Jesus for a broken and lost humanity. He wants us to share in the same longing to save them. God permits me to enter the violence of sorrows through my own family. Because of my humanity, I need to suffer in the flesh the sorrows of the two hearts. Therefore, I receive the intense piercings through the condition of the hearts closest to me. Silence is of the essence to allow the piercings to enter into the death of my heart, which is where my Lord dwells. So then intercession takes place. These violent piercings thrust my heart into the heart of my Lord. And it is in the union of sorrows that I live true marital intimacy with my spouse, Jesus. Our vocation is to suffer with him, to remain with him, accompanying him in his agony. This is our vocation, to love. Interiorly, we must live more and more sowing in tears as our hearts receive the thorns, but exteriorly revealing the smile of a beautiful blossom. The Psalm 126, those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. So 
we leave it here for, for today. My dear family, we're so blessed. We have been given this treasure, this invitation to be the bride of the bridegroom, one with him interceding to the Father for this, our brothers and sisters, and for ourselves. It's what the Lord told St. Faustina for the ourselves and for the whole world through his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us. But when we say through his sorrowful passion, it means that we enter to be one with him as intercessors. God bless you. I love you all.